0: And everything in it is meant to glorify God, even tacos, and I'm so grateful that you're here, my name's Jeff, I'm one of the pastors, and if you're as shocked as I am that I'm up here, and the pastor as well, wonder what it feels like being up here. Everything in this world was created by God for God to glorify God. And so we can have a taco party, we can have a a birthday party, and we can do everything to glorify God for his glory. And that includes money. So if you guys want to get up and quickly, uh, I'll turn my back. Because we're not going to talk about tithing, we're just going to talk about money. Uh, This summer series we've been going through miracles and the sermons have been incredible the last few weeks, have they not? And one of the things that God wants to do is money miracles in your life. And listen, I'm not a prosperity teacher. I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you he wants to do money miracles. So if you've graduated recently from high school or college, trust me, God's got you. And if you're graduated and have some seasoned years and you're struggling, God's got you. If you're just struggling in general, listen, God has got you. Because everything in this world has the ability to glorify God if you allow it to. And that's why we're here today. So the question then becomes, how are you using things in your life to glorify God? I know that's a rhetorical question, but I hope you can start answering that, and I've got a handful of those today, questions that I want you to think. How are you using those things to glorify God? A dog walk, can you glorify God? Uh, 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 A cup of uh, coffee at Starbucks, can you glorify God? What in your life are you using to glorify God? Today, we're going to look at one of the most sacred things in your life. Yeah, most of you are thinking, oh, Christ, yeah, I believe. No, money. Money is the sacred thing. We act like it's not that big a deal, but trust me, who's got bills to pay? Who doesn't want to pay those bills this week? In the name of Jesus, no bills are paid, right? (laughs) I wish I was that cool to do that, but that's just not how it works, so we have to work. I was talking to my buddy who's like working physically to make money. That's what we do. And it's sacred, and we don't really believe this, and this is what I want to plan in your ho- uh, head today. I'm grateful that you're here. First of all, are you outside? Give it up first if you're outside. I love that outside group. They're really strong and, and powerful. If you're online, let me hear it. Yeah. You guys hear that? Someone's celebrating Jesus right now, so we're grateful for that as well. Most of us don't realize that God does money miracles in your life all the time. I mean, all the time. Everybody say it. And I'm not telling you that so you don't remember. I'm, letting to remi- I'm here to remind you how God works all the time in your life financially. Yeah. That's just what he does. That's part of what he says he's going to do. And today we're going to see that play out in some scripture. And it's amazing. And it comes in many different forms. It doesn't come, and I know if you're under 35, you're not going to get this joke, so just tune out, and I'll explain it to you later. It's not Ed McMahon coming with a check on your front door. You guys know Ed McMahon? Okay, so there's this old guy that used to hand out $10,000 checks. $10 million checks. It was amazing. He'd show up in your door and knock, and he'd have this huge check. It was like six feet long, and he'd go, hey, congratulations. So I guess that joke wasn't good because my mic went out, so... <laughs> you guys, ready? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go grab the other mic real quick. So, what happens when you tell bad jokes? They just cut you out. <laughs> Somebody said they don't play that commercial anymore. So, here's the thing we're gonna talk about money miracles, and it doesn't always come in cash you're outside, I'm talking. It doesn't always come out in cash and it doesn't always show up in checks that knock on your front door. What happens is God does and uses anything. Everybody say anything. Listen, you need to let them know outside that God uses anything. Say anything really loud. If you're outside, God uses anything for the glory of God to celebrate God. And so what we're trying to do here today is talk about how God uses money to glorify himself. And so super critical uh, that we understand it. Uh, If somebody wants to tell them outside, we'll get them online in a second. That would be great. So here's what we're trying to do today is talk about how God uses money. Okay. God is using money all the time, and our job is to start seeing the little miracles that God is doing and can do. And so, what, one of those things that's happened over the last few days for me, and I'm just going to share some personal stories that God has done in my life, and one of the things that he has done as a, a financial miracle constantly in my life. My, my daughter Shelby recently graduated high school, so anybody graduate high school recently? I know my daughter did, so uh, Levi, you still got a couple years to go. So one of the things that happened was I have a friend that I only know partially. I've I've hung out with him two or three times playing golf, and he gifted us a timeshare. Just like, hey, here's a timeshare. Listen, it wasn't a check that came to me, but it was a huge financial blessing so that we could take our family to Hawaii and celebrate. God uses all kinds of things. God uses all kinds of things to glorify him and to celebrate him. And we do that constantly. I'm wondering if I should jump down and talk that way so the outside guys get it. It is out there, just not in here. Good. Hey, can you guys hear me? Okay, good. I've got uh, Kim Rodriguez in my my blood, so I'll start projecting like Kim. You can hear? Okay, thanks. So here's the thing, God uses all kinds of things to financially bless us, and there's a thousand different ways that he does it, and I I was going to list them, I started listing and writing a list, and I'm like, there's so many, your job is to start looking and seeing how God financially blesses you. And that's the idea that what we're trying to get to today, God can use anything to financially bless you. And they're usually personal. How about, have you ever been into a Starbucks line and you're sitting there and I don't know about you, but sometimes my checking account has like six bucks in it. And I'm like, that's all I got, but I really need coffee. And hopefully I got rewards on my card. But someone in front of you, by the grace of God, pays when I only got six bucks in. And that is one of the greatest money miracles of all time. Because now I get to have lunch that day as well. And listen... I want to tell you guys a story. I'm going to tell a few stories today about how God spoke to me. About four years ago, I got an email from someone that I don't know. And I think it's important to share on today as we talk about Money Miracles. This person was an out-of-towner traveling from Washington through to San Diego. And they stopped at our local In-N-Out Burger. Anybody like In-N-Out? I learned recently from my friend Michelle, you got to order crispy fries and they're so much better. You got to order them. So there's your new trick. Now they're going to go, why are we getting so many orders for crispy Fries now? So this couple's driving through and they're going into the place. They ordered a couple of burgers and their drinks and shakes and whatever the amount was. The person in front of them bought their meal. Now, why am I telling you this story? Well, the person in front of them had a journey sticker on the back of their car. And so all this couple did was like, well, that was really cool. They looked up the church and right on the big part of the church, it says loving the world one person at a time. And this couple said, you guys loved us and we were tired and angry and hungry and you know how that gets. And that purchase really spoke a miracle into their life. You guys are awesome. And that's how God works in small ways. It wasn't a large miracle, but it was a miracle for them to see God work in their life. And they said, if we ever come back and we're here on Sunday, we're going to come in and tell everybody how good God is because of that little miracle that he did. Isn't that cool? So here's what our memory verse is, and what a memory verse is, is something that we want to have you memorize, but really internalize, chew on, grow in, so that you, by the end of this summer, will know this verse, and you'll never forget it. And here's what it says, Jeremiah 32, verse 27, it says, I am the Lord, the God of all the people in the world, is there anything too hard for me? Every day you need to wake up and go, God, I've got something on my plate. Is there anything too hard for you? And the answer is no, no. And that's what we want to talk about. So let's talk about money. The first form of currency came about 5,000 years ago. It's called the Mesopotamian shekel. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's other people that are theorizing, oh, 40,000, 80,000 years ago, there was using seashells. Maybe true, but we know this is really the only form and it aligns with God and God's plan, which is 5,000 years ago, they were using this shekel. To use a form of money and so it fits in God's plan now you go a few thousand years ahead of that to the time of 650 or 600 BC in this area of Asia Minor the first known mint a mint is a place that makes money started happening in these two uh, important cities to Christians because it's Lydia and Ionia the areas where Paul went to minister and they started stamping gold and silver to pay their military And so money's been around for a while, and money's been an issue for all of us for a while. And here's the thing that we need to know. It started off with coins, and then we have dollar bills, and now we're even into the digital stuff. You know, when we were in Hawaii, something really crazy happened to me. And here's what happened. I went, and I bought something, and I gave them a $20 bill. And in return, they gave me like six bucks and a handful of change. When's the last time you got some change back? We're not doing it anymore in California because they're kind of saying there's a coin shortage. Some of you guys need to cash it in at the grocery store so we can have it back. But the idea here is in our society today, even the coins are going away. In 10 years, we won't have them. They're just going to round everything up to dollar bills. That's where we're at in society. So as we talk about money, maybe you guys have a little bit of fear in your life right now, because here's what happens when we talk about money and we think about money, it creates fear. And it's not just for us who don't have any money. It's for those that even have a ton of money. And I'll explain that to you. You know, when we don't have a lot of money, one of the things that we do is we're like, Oh man, I don't want to talk about it because I haven't been investing. I don't have a 401k. I'm going to have to work until I'm 95. I'm not going to get what I'm supposed to. So that creates natural fear when we have limited or less money money but there's also another time when you're on the other side of the fence where you have a lot of money and you have fear that it's not enough there's this concept in society called money dysmorphia just like body dysmorphia but it's money dysmorphia and what it means is this that you feel like you don't have enough money you guys don't like dysmorphia (laughs) you don't like the first one the body one right so here's the thing. There's this idea of like, I don't have enough. I, and, and, and truthfully, you look in the bank account and you have plenty. But the truth is in your head, you're like, there's not enough. And don't we live like that in Christ? Don't we live like that in Christ? Don't we live like that was like, I feel like I'm constantly broke in Christ. And the, the king from heaven is like, you've got more than you could ever imagine. All you got to do is tap into it. But we constantly live in this place that there's not enough and Christ can't do it. But the text says that he can do anything. anything. And that's where we're at today. So what do we do? The first thing we need to do is be open. Just write that down. Put it in your head. Be open. What does that mean? Be open to anything. Anything that God can do. Now, I'm going to say this every time I preach. Who needs a miracle in this room? Who needs a miracle outside? Who needs a miracle online? Put your hand up, put a thumbs up, let us know in the chat room. We know that you guys need miracles. We get it. And so does Christ. And so he wants to work in anything. So the first thing we need to do is just be open. Now, I I have a a minor in psychology, and I took a class. uh, I took a lot of classes. I don't know if you guys know. It took me 10 years to get a four-year degree. So that's my own issue that I'm working on. Um, Hey, I got a degree. Yeah, thank you. Chico State, Wildcats, come on. Wow. But there's a story in psychology that they used to use, and this was in the 90s, so the story was written in like late 70s, early 80s. And and the story goes like this. They sent 100 pessimists down this road and 100 optimists. Any pessimists in the room? Only two, really? Come on. I know there's a lot more, thanks for raising your hand, yeah I know you are. Uh, and then there's optimism, optimists. The, the pessimists are thinking, they, they walk around like this, the world's terrible, everybody's terrible, they're trying to take my money, meh! Just like Mike's got his arms right now. <laughs> <laughs> And then the pessimists, those guys are so annoying. Oh my gosh, everything's so good. The world's on fire. We're going to find so many happy things. Yay! we're protesting. God's going to do something great through the protest, right? And so they send a hundred pessimists and a hundred optimists down the road. And here's what happens. The pessimist walks down the road, a hundred of them, and only 21 out of a hundred found the $20 bill that was hidden on that road. The scientists or the psychologists hid some money. And every time they walked down the road, they wanted to see if the person would find it. Well, the one that's got the meh Walks around, it's like, the world sucks, and I don't like anything about it, and they can't find the money. On the flip side, those that were open and had an optimistic life set found it 81 times out of 100. And this is a psychological study. You can look it up. The idea here is if you're open, you're going to see more things God do. If you're closed off, you're going to see nothing or limited things of what God do. And what we do as Christians, we limit God. We do. So if you're open to God and his goodness, great things will come to pass. Great things are going to come to pass if you're open. And that's the job of a Christian is to be open and trust that no matter what I'm going through, good things are going to happen. This too shall pass and God will show up at some point well, isn't that what the gospel says? Don't believe me. Trust me. I'm just an average man that has um, tons of sins. Don't believe me. Open up your Bible and fact check me. John chapter 14, verse 12 says this, and this is something that you need to realize if you believe in Christ and you believe the gospel test. Here's what it says. I tell you the truth. Verily, verily, truly I tell you is what he's saying. This is the truth. And here's what he says. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. All All the miracles that we are going to talk about this summer, God has done. Christ has walked through it. Some of the beautiful things Kim talked about last week. All those things we are going to be able to do. And he says, and greater works. Even greater things than what he did. Because he says, because I'm going to be with the Father. And I'm going to trust that there's going to be a handful of believers in this church that believes in greater things that God's going to do. And it's here right now. The idea is, are you open to it? Right? That's what we're talking about today. And as we talk about money, here's the question. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? We say that, but it's now a place of believing it. I trust because I say it, but then I've got to walk into it and walk through it. And some of those through it's are trials and tribulations. So do we trust God? We say yes. So then do you have faith in him each and every day to do something in your life? One of the things that I did to really get to this place about money was several years ago as I was going to seminary and I just gotten my first job as a pastor at Crossroads as a junior high pastor. I was working part-time there, about 15 or 20 hours, and then I was finding odd jobs. And one of the odd jobs I had was working at my buddy's ranch, Farmer Richard, we call him. He's sitting over there with his beautiful wife. And he allowed me to work in his orchard. And he would uh, pay me at the end of the week. He's like, it was really hard because he's like, put your hours down in this little booklet and tell me how much you worked. And I'm like, gosh, I want to put 40 hours, and I only did six but I didn't because I'm trying to be honest in my life. And here's what happened. One day I got a phone call. I I was in like one of the lemon orchards, got lemon avocados. I was on one of the lemon orchards. I was halfway down doing my work and I get a call from the government and the government seized my whole bank account. And there was only 112 bucks in there. So it wasn't like millions. (laughs) So they seized my money and they took the money, closed my account. And listen, I needed gas to get home. And I'm in Soma's and it's not very far, but if you got to go up the hill, my car could go backwards because I didn't have enough gas. And I was too embarrassed to go, hey, can I bum 10 bucks to get gas? And I didn't even think I could make it over even if I had the 10 bucks. But here's what happened. As I got the phone call, I just started to cry. I, fe- I just started to cry, and I fell to my knees in the middle of this orchard. I fell to my knees, and all of a sudden, I just dropped down, and I said, Lord, I can't manage a checking account, obviously. And I'm not responsible enough for money. And Lord, I need to be open to you and your account. And so I'm going to give you my money. And you know what happened? Nothing but today I see God controlling my money and I don't have the fear of money anymore. I didn't get a bunch of money. I had to work really hard. I had to get a gas card from my parents. It took me a lot of work, but today I don't have fear of money because I dropped to my knees and I've been open to God. He can do anything. And that's the point of today's message. Matthew chapter 17. If you're following with us, it's a beautiful place in the Bible. It's where the transfiguration happened. You know where the big three, John and Peter and James go up to the mountain. And Elijah's up there. And and and, and uh, Moses is up there talking to Jesus. And they have this beautiful moment. And God says, this is my son. Believe and trust in him. And then they come down and there's this demonic healing that happens. And it, it's a really powerful place. And at the end of the chapter, there's this money miracle it'll be on the screen it's on your notes on your phone but let's go through it Matthew chapter 17 verse 24 it's uh, one of the great miracles for me in the Bible it says this on their arrival in Capernaum the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked does your teacher pay temple tax let's pray father we love you and we praise you take my words in my heart and I ask that you just blank my mind And that you use this next few minutes as we walk through the text to glorify you and to challenge and change someone's heart and soul. We love you, King Jesus. We love you and we praise you and we want more for us because of you, Lord. So we submit this time and all God's people said, amen. So here's what's happening. They arrived in uh, Capernaum, and so here's the thing. I just, I want to throw this out there. I talked to my friend Nasser. He uh, owns a travel agency in Park. A group of us are going to Israel in February. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be our third trip at Journey. And he told me to keep telling people because he's got some space still available. And Capernaum is the northern part of Israel. It's the northern part. It's on the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful area, and and, and it's just above there. And then there's this place where Peter used to live, and next to Peter's house was a synagogue. He lived right next door to a synagogue. And so this synagogue is we're going to be and walk in this area where Jesus taught and spoke. And here's the headquarters of Jesus. This is where he came. Peter and his wife was probably like Liz and me where we open up our house as much as we can for gospel ministry opportunities. He's like, come on over, hang out. And so there was all the apostles regularly came back to Capernaum and hung out. And so here's what's happening. It's tax season. I don't know if you guys know this, our tax season's a little bit longer. The the economic uh, uh, figures say that starting about January 15th all the way to April 15th, economy kind of shrinks in this area because people are starting to pay taxes and think about taxes. Tax season for this time and age was 30 days before uh, Passover. So here's the question that's asked. Does your teacher pay tax? Taxes have always been an issue. Not just today they've always been an issue nobody really wants to pay taxes they don't con uh- quite understand them all the time we kind of get frustrated when we get a paycheck and there was nothing different than back in those days now the leaders of Israel there was three there was three types of leaders first of all there was the Sadducees the Sadducees thought the taxes are ridiculous the temple tax was ridiculous they didn't want to pay them at all and so they constantly were fighting or trying to avoid them the Pharisees thought oh well we're going to be religious and we're going to show you how religious we are and we're going to pay them even if we don't like them and then there was these men of uh, Qumran were these priestly people that were going to go and visit the area where they hung out in Israel. They believed that you only had to pay once a once in a lifetime. It's like I'm paying my tax. I paid it and I never have to pay it again. So there was really three places in this time about paying taxes and so that's what's happening here and the taxes were a, a normal fee that everybody paid every year in Israel and the faithful Jewish people paid them and the unfaithful tried to avoid them and escape responsibility. Now my father-in-law, his name's, we call him Nacho, his name's Ray Banalis, he, he, he was an IRS agent early on in his career. And here's what he's taught me, and this is the law, look it up. Avoiding taxes is legal, is legal, evasion is illegal, So what that means is you can use the tax law for your benefit, but us peons don't know the tax law, so we always have to pay taxes. But those that know the law avoid taxes and pay less taxes. It's because it's legal, because they're doing it legally. But if you create documents or you hide money and you try and stash it, that's evasion, that's illegal. Does that make sense? So avoiding them is legal. Our job is to know the tax code. And so you got to study so you can avoid some of those taxes. The payments that we're talking about were made over uh, in person during Passover. So you can go to Passover and as you went by the temple uh, tax box, you throw uh, some, uh, some shekels in there and that would be the payment. Or it would be made a month before this all happened. So it was a month before Passover. And that's how they would, pay, they would do it. And they had people all over northern and southern Israel and other regions in the area sending out tax collectors to get the temple taxed. That's the idea here. And so verse 25 says, Peter says, yes, he does. The question was, does your teacher pay taxes? And Peter says, yes, he does. And then it says he went into the house. Well, here's the thing. He doesn't really know if Jesus does or not. That's never really came up in the ministry, but because he knows Jesus, he knows who he is. He's like, yeah, he does. But really what the people that were asking Jesus was, is what side of the argument are you on? Are you believing that you have to be faithfully pay this? Are you trying to avoid him? Or do you believe you only pay once in a lifetime and that's all you got to do? That's really the question. But Peter is just not knowing. He says, yeah, of course he does because Jesus is a faithful man. He's a man of integrity. He just assumes, because he knows and has seen this man do amazing things, that he is going to be honorable and faithful. And so Peter, not even knowing Jesus' answer, says, yes, he does. Here's one of those questions today. I've asked you, do you trust the Lord? You said yes, then you got to trust him each and every day, not just when you want to. And here's uh, another question. Do you live in faith with regards to money, or do you live in fear with regards to money? Yeah. Most of us live in fear, even though we are great, faithful Christian. Most of us live in fear, and that's the problem with our society. And I'm talking about Christian society. We have to live in faith and trust that he can do even greater things in everything that we do. But what happens is most of us live in faith. Now Peter knows this story in Micah. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. There's this beautiful text. And here's what it says. Peter knows this. The Jewish people know this because this was a scroll from one of the great prophets during the time of great tribulation. And here's what he says. He asks a question. And then he answers the question in the same breath. That's his Micah. And he says, and what does the Lord require of you? What does, he asks this question, what does the Lord require of you, especially with regards to taxes? What does the Lord require you, especially with regards to your money? He says, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Peter knew this. And he knew Jesus and he knew that Jesus knew these words and he knew that because he was a faithful man of God, that he was going to do these three things, act justly, love mercy and walk humbly. And as I read these, these words, honestly, this week, I, I, I stopped for about an hour and I asked God, am I living that type of life? Am I living a life, a style of Micah where I'm acting justly, I'm walking humbly, and I love mercy? And I really sat for a moment, I pulled back, I grabbed a cup of coffee, I cried a little bit, I played some worship, and I really had to come to a conclusion. And listen, you're going to have to have to do the same. I can't tell you. I wish I could just, in the name of Jesus, give you all of that, what I received, but I can't. All I can do is share what I did, and hopefully you have that same revelation. Verse 25 continues. Peter now has walked back in the house. He says, yes, of course, my Lord pays. And he walks back in the house, and Jesus says, but before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or have they, or those they have conquered? Listen, now Jesus takes this story and doesn't go to temple tax, he goes to overall taxation from the Roman Empire, the temple tax, and the taxation of the world. So he changes the whole question as Jesus does because he says, if you're going to struggle with the temple tax, how are you going to do with the government tax or the overarching tax of the Roman Empire? So Jesus doesn't want to just deal with the temple tax. He wants to deal with the greater situation. And so here would be another question. What would Jesus say about your taxes and your money today? If he looked in your, uh, I don't know about you, but in my bank account it lists all my purchases... And all my Starbuckses, In-N-Out Burger, the movies last night, Elvis Presley. Where's God in that? Question is this, how, what would Jesus say about your money today? And I'm not saying any of those things I didn't honor God. I'm just asking you, what would Jesus say? God wants to use everything to, in this world to glorify him, everything in this world. And Jesus is trying to get us to that point right now. He's trying to get us to sit up and get activated and say, listen, there's something here that I need to understand. And he wants us to understand about money and taxes, but he really wants us to learn to live out this mindset of Micah. A lifestyle of Micah, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly in everything that we do every day that we live in this world. We are in a day and age right now, and we have been here for about four or five years, And it's probably been 40 or 50 years or 350 years. But people are taking specific verses. I've got 50 verses that I memorize and I walk around and I've got these verses. And I'm using them as my agenda, hoping God is going to bless them. But here's what God has told me. Jeff, the whole Bible is for you and you need to follow every word even if you don't like it. And I have to use that and sometimes I have to chew it and go, man, that's hard to swallow. But listen, that's what God wants me to do. And that's what he's challenging us today. That's the purpose of this. God doesn't want us to choose some scriptures we like and get away the ones that we don't like. He wants to use them all and he wants us then to take the things that we don't like and go above and beyond. You know the, you know, the one that says, turn the other cheek. No, I don't want to turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. The one that says, oh, I'm supposed to walk with the soldier's equipment for a mile? No, go two miles. I'm supposed to give my last jacket? Yeah, and the shirt and everything you have on it. Go beyond. But what happens is we're not going beyond. We're going, no, I'm keeping my jacket. I'm not even going to walk the first mile for you today. Let alone turn the cheek? Are you kidding me? That's not what the text says and that's what he's getting to the heart of the matter here why why would we do that the example that we have our role model that we have is not Jeff Rodriguez it's it's not a pastor up on the hill or one in Santa Barbara or one in North Carolina it's Jesus Christ and our job is to open up the text look at the red letters follow as what was said and then watch other people follow going if that knucklehead can do it I sure can do at least what he's doing and that's how we bring people to Christ, by doing stuff and going over and beyond. And that's what Jesus is trying to get to. Verse 26, they, they tax the people, Peter says. They tax the people that they have conquered. Well then, Jesus says, citizens are free. What shall we say then? If we're free in Christ, we're free indeed. We're citizens, yay, we don't pay the taxes. No, yes, but no, that's not what's being said what's being said is something different he's saying citizens are free listen Jesus didn't have to pay the taxes a rabbi was uh, free to pay taxes just like pastoral staff doesn't have to pay most of the taxes except social security they've always had that in the rule of law and they have it here the rabbi if he's a rabbi he doesn't have to pay taxes and so he could have easily said, "Oh, I'm a rabbi. I've got a followers. I'm I'm leading people, and I don't have to pay." But that's not what he did. He then brings it to a bigger issue. He says, "Citizens are free." Well, what does that mean? It means in Christ we're free to to do whatever we want. Paul writes in in, in Romans. He says, Every, "You're free to do whatever you want, but not everything's beneficial." I don't have to pay taxes. I'm a believer in Christ, and then when the tax police come and put you in jail for seven years, you're like, well, well, you don't have to pay taxes, but you're going to have to do time. So everything's free to do as Christians, but not everything is beneficial, and that's what he's trying to get to us, to us today. It's not everything is, is beneficial, and Jesus is not trying to disrupt the government. He's not. He's actually going to do the opposite. Here's what it says. The conclusion, verse 27. However, we don't want to offend them. That's a big word we're going to come back to. So go down to the lake, throw in a line. We're going to come back to that in a second. Open up the mouth of the fish that you catch, and you're going to find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the taxes. I found this coin in my golf bag, actually. It was like the fish's mouth. A coin... In a fish's mouth. Now there's all kinds of writing on how the fish got the coin. It's a bunch of malarkey because people are like, well, the fish well, in this type of region grabbed stuff from the bottom and he had a mouth. Regardless of how the fish got it in his mouth, just having the right fish with the right coin with the right amount is a miracle. Amen. And God can do a money miracle anytime he wants to do in your life if you're open to that, Right? And the idea here is to understand that God can do anything and He can make this little coin a miraculous thing in your life if you're willing to allow it to happen. So Jesus pays the taxes in a miraculous provision way. And I don't know where you're at financially, I know where I'm at financially. I'll show you my checking account and pass it around. We all need money miracles. We all need God to move and do some stuff and do some healing. And the Bible tells us that God can, if you're open to it. And even if you're not open to it, you can be that grouchy person. Meh. 21% of the people found the $20 bill anyways. Sometimes God uses, uh, he speaks to the stubborn people. Any stubborn people in here? Yeah, just in this section right here. Jesus wanted to illustrate in the natural world, in the natural realm, in the world that we live in, that's what we mean when natural, the supernatural, spiritual things of God. He wants to show you that he is supernatural. He lives in a super, and what that means is beyond what you can imagine. A miracle is beyond what you can imagine. When you come to a place where you can't do it, but only God can. And that's what he's trying to speak. Technically, Jesus doesn't have to pay the taxes. Legally, he's a rabbi. Legally, he's a son of God. He's free. He's a citizen of the Most High. He doesn't have to pay, but he does what he wants to do. Uh, a great theologian, William Barclay, writes about this, verse 27. He says, the use of this Greek word, scandalizo, and the word scandalizo is spelled out in our text, doesn't want to offend, doesn't want to create a scandal, doesn't want to, 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 to turn things up upside down this greek word scandalizo means jesus is saying we don't want to pay we we must pay so that we don't set a bad example to other people we must do our duty and not just do our duty we must go beyond in order to show others what they ought to do we don't want to be a scandalous type of person we need to go beyond go beyond turn the other cheek walk the extra mile or two Give your jacket and all your clothing. Go beyond. Christians are to go beyond. Back in the day when there was leprosy and trauma and tragedy in the society, Christians were running in as the citizens were running out trying to help people. Today we're running faster than everybody out. Because we don't trust and we don't believe that God is doing something. Even in California, even in our world today. Jesus knew what was required of him. Micah 6, 8. And he was trying to install that. And I'm talking about install, not instill. Install. You know, operating system. He's trying to get rid of your old operating system. Some of you are running on DOS. That went out in the 80s. And he's trying to install a new operating system. And it's heavenly. And he's not just trying to install it to Peter. He's trying to install it to us today. And he wants to know, are you with me? There are two main characters in our text today as we close up today. Peter and Jesus... There are two main characters, and there's a role model that each and every one of us. One of the purposes for Christ was to come, not just to be on the cross and save us, but also be a role model so that we get ourselves in a pickle. When, I get, when we get ourselves in a tough spot, that we know what to do. And what we would do is we would look at Jesus, and we would go beyond and do the right thing. And so let's go back to Micah six, eight, and talk about these two. The first thing that Jesus knew and Peter was learning was to act justly. Peter knew that Jesus was a faithful man. Peter knew that, uh, that uh, he wasn't afraid to pay taxes. So he said to the people, of course, my Lord and Savior, of course, my Messiah, of course, my rabbi pays taxes. Jesus, on the other hand, acted justly as he always did. He paid taxes as a good example, not because he had to, but to be an example to you and me. And he talked about it with other people. The second thing was love mercifully. Love mercy, love mercifully. Peter was taught mercy in this story. Maybe you need to be taught some mercy today. One of the things Jesus came to do was teach us mercy. Peter was taught mercy. He was saying, citizens are free. Rabbis don't have to pay. Those who are conquered have to pay. And and, and Peter knew he wasn't part of the conquered people because he was free in Christ, because he was set free in Christ. But still, Jesus challenged Peter to pay the taxes, do the right thing. And Jesus, our teacher, Is the epitome of mercy. He came to teach us mercy, and in his great mercy, he he gave mercy instead of rebellion. And he chose mercy even in the midst of some of the greatest trials. And the last one was to walk humbly. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but probably you do if you've been in church for a long time. Peter was humbled at this moment, he was a professional fisherman. And at one point in verse 27, he's told to throw a line in the water and get a fish. Now, it's not weird for me and you. That's how we fish. We go get a pole, and you throw a nine in, and you get fish. Well, as a professional, that's not how he goes. He goes, I get nets, and I bring 50 or 100 or 150 at a time. But Jesus tells him, Humble up, buddy. Go get a line and just grab one fish. Use a line, not a net. Forget about what you're used to. Just do it like a normie. Do it like a normal person. And Peter goes out and throws a line and goes, Man, I hope my friends aren't looking. But he humbly accepted what Jesus asked him to do. And he walked humbly. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus humbly paid the tax even though he didn't have to. Just like Jesus humbly paid the price on the cross even though he didn't have to because uh, he, he didn't. He did it because he wanted to so that you and I can be right with God. That's the purpose. He came understanding that and that's what we have today. Jesus humbly paid the price for you and I and he humbly pays the price on the taxes to teach us as an example. God Can use anything to glorify God. The purpose of this story is not about the money. It's not about anything more than a miracle and God trying to tell you that He can do a money miracle in your life. God can use anything. And the question then becomes do you really trust Him? Do you really trust Him in everything that you got, including money? As I kind of close today, I just want to reflect. Because here's the thing about church. It all comes to this moment. In every sermon that I've ever done, the most powerful moment in every sermon is the last two minutes right before the music starts. And in that moment of music is where God starts to speak and challenge and the Holy Spirit has brought us. Because now it's taken you guys an hour to settle down. And the ministry to really start to hit your heart. Because I don't know if you guys realize this, it takes us a good hour just to get our mind clear. And you happen to listen to someone like me and the beautiful worship that we played is now ready. And so here's the reflection. The first thing you need to do today is be open. If you're a pessimist, pray that out of your life. If you're a pessimist, pray it out of your life and be open. Say, Lord, I don't want to think negatively. I don't want to be negatively. I want to live in the glory, and I want to believe good things will happen. And so right now, be open and ask, ask the Lord. Remove that pessimistic mindset. Number two, Micah 6.8. Write it down. Highlight it in your Bible and live that lifestyle. Act justly. Love mercy and walk humbly. And the last one, this is the crazy one. The miracle, uh, the amount of money in the fish's mouth was nothing that big. Maybe a couple hundred bucks to us today. That's not really a big miracle, but I don't know about you. But if you only got $1,000 and you need $1,500, that extra $500 seems like a million dollars when you don't have it. Because you're like, where am I going to get it? I could sell my car. I could sell my bed. I could post something on Facebook, but it's a million dollars if you don't have the money. It's not about the amount. It's about are you open that God can do anything and use a fish, not just to spit Jonah out, but to provide the taxes that we need to have. If you're here today and you're feeling that spiritual movement today, that's called the Holy Spirit. And it's tugging on your heart right now and it's trying to challenge you and convict you and encourage you that God is good all the time and that your Bible's ready and able to speak into your life this week. And all you gotta do is be willing and and honest and open it and watch God flow. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. And Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask for a provision miracle for everyone in here who needs one. And I pray that those that have money, they will see the need and use that money for the glory of the gospel this week. That they will help the cause for the kingdom. And those that need a money miracle, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask for you to do a work, but use that money for the kingdom of God, not just for your selfish needs. And Father, I pray that your spirit moves right now to bring us to an open heart, an open place on how we live and use our money for this world. And finally, Lord, I just pray for that person online right now, that person in this room right now that doesn't know Jesus, that's distanced from Jesus, and that could be separated for all eternity from Jesus. I pray for that person outside, inside, and online. If there's someone that doesn't know Jesus and they feel this spiritual thing tugging on them right now, even if they didn't get the message, all you have to do is confess and believe, and you'll be saved. The Bible says, confess it with your mouth. Believe in your heart and you shall be saved. And it just goes like this. that's you, just pray with me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and soul and be my Lord and Savior. Help me be open to all the things that you can do. You died upon the cross for me. You rose three days later so I can be in eternity with you. I ask the Holy Spirit to take over my mind, body, and soul and lead me for the rest of my days on this earth. We love you, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's worship Christ.